0: We look at Judas and the most infamous crime ever committed. Betrayed the one who loved him, betrayed his best friend with a kiss. Judas realized what he did. He betrayed his best friend. He betrayed the one who came to give his life for him. And which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before the coming of the just one, of whom you have now become the betrayers. They said, you're going to have the opportunity to betray someone. Because every one of us has been given a holy trust. Jesus gave us a part. What He wrought from Calvary, He wrought for us a part of Almighty God. He took our place. The penalty had to be paid. Christ paid it for us. The 15th chapter, and we're not taking up what we left from last week, but we're taking a different vein. Last Thursday, as we were studying in 2 Samuel, we looked at the attitude of David under the persecution. There's nothing wrong with having the wrong attitude when you realize that you deserve far more than what you ever got in life. We know having been, uh, you know, been born as sinners, raised as sinners, and believe me, people, we would have made, you know, we had college degrees on uh, on being sinners. Amen. Amen. We were good at it. And we deserved hell. We deserved to die. It's not physical death the Bible warns us about so much. It's that spiritual death, the separation from, from God in a place called hell for an eternity. None of us want to go there, but that's, what, that's the payment for, uh, for, for breaking the law. But Jesus gave us a pardon. What he wrought from Calvary, he wrought for us a pardon from Almighty God. He took our place. The penalty had to be paid, Christ paid it for us. And we realize, people, some things we go through life, and we have to understand, like the attitude David had. When he was under affliction, under persecution, he just committed himself unto God who judged it righteously. And God brought him through. It's an attitude you have to have in a life which we deal with. And people, I don't know why the Lord's turning this that way lately. He's dealing more than anything with us, I think, in our character. Yeah. Amen. All of us have to learn listen, we're not there yet. The Bible says uh, if any man thinketh he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to we're learning. God is going to change us, our characters. How's he trying to make us to be like? I mean, there have to be a, a how can we call it, an example? There have to be a, you know, a, a perfect uh, 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 how can we say uh, the first one or there's another word for it but I can't come up with it right now. But there's a certain person he's trying to make us like. Right. Anybody want to guess who that is? Jesus. Did Jesus have that attitude? Yes, Jesus had the same attitude what David had. He committed it to him who judge it right, righteously. We have to commit ourselves unto such a faithful creator. Amen? Listen, he hasn't got lost control of everything. He's got he's in control of everything that's going on. He hadn't lost control of your life and he hadn't forgotten about you. We're going to look at another attitude this morning as we're going to entitle it, Betrayed. It's a lesson we're going to have to learn. Because I guarantee you by the time you finish this life, If you haven't been already, you are going to be betrayed by people. Hello? You're going to be betrayed by people, and Jesus is going to teach you some things. Next thing is you're going to have to learn not to become a betrayer. Hello? The 15th chapter, first verse, came to pass that after this that Absalom prepared him 50 chariots of horses and 50 men to run before him. A little further down in the sixth verse. And on this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this morning as we gather ourselves together. In the mighty name of our Lord Jesus, who loved us and gave himself for us, poured out upon us the Holy Ghost, that we, Lord God, in turn, have the ability both to proclaim and to receive and to understand your truth, that we may profit thereby. Open our hearts in understanding, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's saints said, amen. amen, amen. A man can steal a lot of things, and it's pretty bad. But the Bible speaks of a particular sin called, called, called a, what do we call that again? Betrayal. I mean, went around and stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Now, how in the world does somebody do that? Well, you just read, I'm not trying to rehash everything again, but you read what Absalom did. He realized that... Uh, He had his eyes on something. He wanted to be king now. David, because of his sin, suffered a lot. His oldest son, uh, Amon, should have been the next king in line, but then he raped his sister, Tamar, uh, who happened to be Absalom's brother. Two years later, Absalom took revenge on Amon and killed him. Absalom was in exile for, what, two or three years, and when he came back, he had his plan. I'm going to work and manipulate it to where... I'll get everybody on my side. Besides, I got the looks, the intelligence. I mean, I'm better than my father, and I think I could make a better king. So he began to work his way around, and, you know, he conspired, he conspired against his own father, meaning betrayed him until now we find what we've read, you know, the, the troubles that David had to face being on the run uh, because of his son. David wouldn't fight him. Hello? But that's the first betrayal you have to understand. What does the word betray mean? I'm going to quickly pull up a few notes. But it's taken from a root word that we generally know as a traitor. Now, all of us know pretty much what a traitor is, huh? You're supposed to have your allegiance with one faction or person, and then next thing you know that they've changed it. Um, but these are the main, the main words we're going to look at. It means to lead astray, to seduce, to deliver to an enemy by treachery, and to fail or to desert, especially in time of need, or to disclose in violation of confidence. So remember all those definitions. We're going to learn a few things this morning as we learn that we don't want to get in that place. Amen. Again, I'm going to remind you, you're never going to stop that you're going to be betrayed one day. Okay, remember that that's towards the end. But I'm trying to keep some things for you to keep it focused in mind. You have to understand the sin of betrayal is one of them that God hates probably more than any of them, you know. It's like a brother, it's so a discord. That's the seventh thing that God hates and the worst thing. But betrayal of someone who you can really trust and depend on, all of a sudden they're, they're, uh, they're doing everything they can to destroy you. David was no stranger to betrayals. You can read in First in Samuel, the 23rd chapter, there was a little bitty town. Uh, what was that, that name in the 23rd chapter, First Samuel? Uh, Kurtites? Kirt, let me quickly look that up. Well, anyhow, I got something better than that. I'm going to go to a, a few notes. The Kurtites. well, I read that about David. Yeah, yeah. Now I remember where it's at. Yes. Kila. Kila. And David said, O Lord God of Israel, thy servant has certainly heard that Saul seeketh to, to come to Keilah to destroy for my sake. Will the men of Keilah deliver me up to this hand? And Saul came, to, uh, will Saul come down as thy servant has heard? And the Lord God of Israel, I beseech thee, tell, me, tell thy servant. The Lord said, He will come down. And David said, Will the men of Keilah deliver me up and my man to his hand? They will deliver me up. Now remember, David was on the run from King Saul. And uh, they heard that the Philistines were, were attacking this certain city called Keilah. And they were taking their crops, I mean their harvest, all year long they worked. So David said, you want me to go rescue them? And he inquired of the Lord and the Lord said, go and rescue them. And he went, he risked 600 men against an army of the Philistines, overcame them. And their gratitude was that, that when they heard Saul find out where he was at, would they protect him or betray him? So he went like we should do. He asked God and God said, they're going to betray you. They're going to give you up. Boy, that's a slap in the face, huh? Risk your arm and neck in life. And they're going to betray him. And then, right after that, you read in the 23rd chapter again, there's a little uh, town, a uh, little group of people called the Ziphites. The Zips. The Zipites. The same thing. It was like you read in 1 Samuel about Nabal, uh, who David protected the herdsmen while right there in the field. So it was with them. These were herdsmen. David protected them and watched over them. David made sure that they were safe. You know what they did in turn? They ran to Saul. Twice and said, We know where David's at. He said, You just get yourself ready. We're going to tell you where he's at and we're going to bring him out to you. Now, I mean, what? Betrayal after betrayal. David knew what betrayal was. It, it, it never is fun, never looks good. But um, betrayal is something that is hard to, to overcome in life. Would you believe that? Okay. I want to read you a note I found about the Zephites and the Kelehites. We're like any godless man, always seeking favors at the expense of betraying others. The have after being saved by David and his men from the Philistine, betrayed him to Saul. The Zephites were protected by David's men, and nevertheless, they told Saul what he wanted to know. You know, people, I, I guess I'm not telling you nothing that you don't know already. If you've been uh, involved in what this this race called life, you understand sometimes the character of people, right? Um, We read in, a lot of great men have been brought down by betrayal. You can read in uh, Samson, great man like he was. He just had a bad character trait of of, uh, falling in love with strange women. Hello? Hello? I mean, for some reason, Sam, Samson put all his trust in the women that he loved to find out that they never truly loved him. But yet, he put all his confidence in them. But the last and most dangerous one was the one we called Delilah. Man, here he trusted her so much, loved her so much, though he knew what she was after, wanted to find the source of his strength, deceived him time after time till finally he could take it no more, told her all of her heart. To, and she, in turn, turned him over to the Philistines. They put his eyes out, caused him to, to grind uh, in a mill like an animal, and eventually he, it cost him his life. Now, all this was what we call betrayal. I'm just trying to give you a picture of what it is, is that when people want to get back at you, or they want to please somebody else, they're going to betray you. Okay, getting back to David. Cause David is, is our main uh, essence that we need to learn a lesson from. David learned now something else. He learned that his son now was against him. And uh, what hurt him probably more than anything, even David, great a man as he was, had close friends, close advisors. He went to them when he had problems. So he, he was, he probably his confidence. These men knew his heart. There was one man in particular called Ahithophel. You ever heard of him? Ahithophel. Now, the news came to David in 2 Samuel fifteen thirty one, and one told David said Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, Oh Lord, I pray thee, turn the counsel of, of Ahithophel into foolishness. Ahithophel was his closest friend. Ahithophel was his closest advisor. So much so, it says this about Ahithophel. In 2 Samuel 16, 23, And the counsel of Ahithophel, which he counseled in those days, was his, as if a man had inquired of the oracles of God. Can you imagine going to a man that when you spoke to him, it was like God himself speaking to you. So close a friend. You said, listen, I got this problem. And that man would say, well, listen, this is what I feel God wants you to do. And when he talked, he built confidence in you. You know that man, uh, you can put your full confidence and trust in him. But this man, Ahithophel, turned his back on David and became his enemy and came over to his enemy's side, his own son who had betrayed him. Why did he do this? Well, if you read real carefully, Ahithophel was Bathsheba's grandfather. His son was her father. And Ahithophel was close to David and he knew what was going on. He saw how he seduced his daughter Bathsheba. And then to cover it up, had his son-in-law murdered. I don't think that, that it wasn't some repercussions there. Because some, somehow within his heart, he wanted to get even with David. Though he was a trusted friend. Though he loved David at one time, now he saw his opportunity to revenge himself of what David had did. Now, this is the strange part about him. And I want to read it to you. David had a strange knack of when he went through situations in life. He wrote it down in what we call Psalms. Somehow his feelings, his, his trials, he put them down in what we call these sacred Psalms. And it revealed a lot. I mean, like when he was a young lad, he wrote like Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I should not want. Well, how did he learn that? Well, we looked at that time before. Sitting out there in the fields, you know, watching his father's flocks. He understood, hey, God is just my shepherd, just like I am to these sheep. Well, he wrote this in Psalms 41, nine. He said, Yea, mine own familiar friend, whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. Psalm 55 in verse 12 to 16 says, For it was not an enemy that reproached me, for then I could have borne it. Neither was he that hated me, that did magnify himself against me. Then would I have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a man, mine equal, my guide, mine acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked into the house of God in company. David was talking about his friend, Ahithophel, his best friend, close advisor, the one who knew his heart, the one who David went to with everything to get counsel. He said, now he's lifted up his heel against me. And we notice this. There's something about that sin of betrayal that almost always seems to bring immediate judgment. Because David, the next word says, Let death seize upon them. Let them go down quick to hell, for wickedness is in their dwelling. And among them, for uh, as for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save. What do we mean by that? You just read in 2 Samuel, you read about Ahithophel. He gave counsel to Absalom, uh, what they ought to do. Now that David was fled to the wilderness. Absalom gave the right advice. He said, "Get the armies together, go after David, and get him now. Kill him and all the men that are following him." But David had another friend. You remember uh, what was his name? That I remember. I'll get it after a while. But anyhow, he gave advice to They Asked him his. I know he was a little a little fellow, It sounds like. <laughs> But it says this, that he, they chose the advice of the other and there's something about oh, uh, Ohithophel. He knew enough about God to realize that God had turned against him now. He knew the advice he gave was right. He knew the advice the other one was given was not necessarily wrong, but it wasn't right for that time. And because they rejected his advice, he saddled up his donkey, went back to his hometown, got his affairs in order, took a rope, and hung himself. Now, I may be going at it the wrong way, but it's something, how betraying a best friend always has a, a repercussion. Just as David said, let death seize upon them. It wasn't long. Death seized upon them. Okay. I need to move on. i got so much I want to cover, and I'm going to cover what I can. But we know that in parallel it spoke of another purpose. It was a double fulfillment. It spoke of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know the Lord Jesus Christ was perfect, never did one sin, always did good. Acts 10:19. 19 how Jesus went about doing good, healing all that were pressed for the devil, for God was with him. There was never another man like Jesus, but yet Jesus taught people how to love. When Jesus chose out his disciples, he chose out the best there was. They weren't necessarily men of rank, men of power, men of education, as the Bible says, about every one of our calling. Not many mighty, not many wise, not many noble are called. But God has shown the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. That when, you know, these apostles, these disciples who were going to take his place after Christ went back to heaven, there was nothing in looking like them that you'd say, well, these are great men of uh, uh, great wisdom. Because when the fourth chapter, they stood before the Sanhedrin, they said about the apostles, you know, they looked at these men. They were unlearned and ignorant men. But they took note that they had been with Jesus. Jesus had transformed these fishermen, tax collectors. You name it to mighty men of God to where when they proclaimed the gospel, miracles would happen. They were turning the world upside down. But he had one particular disciple. Started off good. His name was Judas. Now, uh, Mia was, was teaching right now. I didn't know that. She's teaching on teaching the kids, you know, the 12 apostles. They would forget it. And, and then... Uh, uh, Janice said, uh, "I didn't realize there was two Judas before, and there was. So we got to distinguish. There was two Judases. And uh, how do we how do we distinguish which Judas was which? I got an easy way. Matthew ten fourteen when he lists it, gets down to Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. How'd you like to have uh, uh, um, be known by something throughout eternity as something that you did? I mean, it's the only time he ever did it. But now he is known as the betrayer. How'd you like to have a name? <laughs> you know." Uh, Here's Felix, he's the one who betrayed me. That ain't a good title, Felix. But Jesus picked out 12 hand-picked men. Yes, it does say that Jesus knew from the beginning who it was that would betray him. But when he picked him out, he was not such a man. He was just like the rest, he was hand-picked, he got filled with the Holy Ghost, he preached the gospel to the poor, he healed the sick, he did miracles in Jesus' name, (laughs) He did everything the rest of them did. And uh, it just came to a certain point. I mean, Jesus loved him tremendously like he did all the rest of him. But something happened. I believe personally, and the Bible kind of bears it out, the reason being that he realized what Jesus was saying now. Yes, he was the Messiah. But all along, somewhere in there, Judas had a love of riches and money. And one time when this woman came in, she was weeping and she cried on Jesus' feet and wiped it with the, you know, she that's when she anointed it with all, that's the with that anointment. And it was very expensive. And she poured it on Jesus and then wiped his, you know, with the hairs of her head. And and Judas is the one who said, Why would they make such a waste? Why didn't they take that ointment and sell it and give it to the poor? Not that he cared to the poor, the Bible said, but that he carried the bag and that he was a thief. And Jesus reproved him. Remember that? It seemed like from that point on, it says, Matthew 26, 16, and from that time he sought the opportunity to betray him. There's something about a heart that turns against someone who loved him so much. And no one can ever say Jesus didn't love him, didn't do everything for him. Jesus gave him opportunity after opportunity to repent. When they sat down for the last supper, Matthew 26, 21, And as they did eat, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. It floored all of them. Every last one of them didn't know who he was talking about. Not a one of them suspected Judas. Hello? They saw everything in him what they saw in the other. A man who was kind, who was loving, was following Christ. But inside his heart, a seed was planted. Because it says that. And I don't want to read the one where it says in John, Satan having put into the heart of Judas to betray him. Amen. All the disciples, as they were sitting there, said, Who? Who is it? Is it I? Is it I? And Jesus gave him an answer. Matthew 26, 23, and he answered and said, He that dipped his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as written of him, but woe to him whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for him that that man had not been born, that Judas which betrayed him answered and said, Master, is it I? And he said unto him, Thou hast said, yeah. I don't know if Judas himself couldn't believe it. But I do know when it was finished, Jesus told Judas, what you do, do quickly. And he got up and he went. It was in his heart. Jesus went out that same night into the garden of Gethsemane. There he brought his disciples with him, picked out three of them, uh, uh, Peter, James, and John. He said, you sit right here and watch with me, pray with me. And as he prayed, they fell asleep. The third time he came back, find him asleep, it says in Matthew 26, 45. And he comes to the disciples and said, sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hand of sinners. Rise, let us be gone. Behold, he that is at hand that does betray me. Matthew 26, 48. Now he that betrayed him gave him a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, the same as he, hold him fast. Matthew 27, 4. Saying, I have sinned and I have betrayed the innocent blood. Judas realized what he did. He betrayed his best friend. He betrayed the one who came to give his life for him. But yet because he, he, he wanted that money, he wanted some kind of, uh, didn't want the plan that Jesus had for his life. That he went to his very enemies, the Sanhedrin, and sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver and, got, and told him, I'll find a convenient time and I'll tell you when to come get him. Now, I don't know what he thought, his thoughts were. Maybe he thought like before, Jesus many times was tried, you know, to be arrested. They tried to kill him, but Jesus always walked away. I don't know if Judas thought, well, I would get the 30 pieces of silver. Jesus is going to walk away, and they won't touch him, and everything will be all right. But he, when he saw Jesus on trial, this was the real thing. He wasn't going to escape this time. It was determined. Jesus was to die. He had to die. But the Bible says he repented of what he did. Or oh, isn't that good enough? After all, I just read to you, he says, he went back to these Pharisees and says, I have sinned and then I betrayed the innocent blood. But they said, what is that to us? See, thou do it. You see, he couldn't find himself forgiveness. He was probably sorry for what he did, but he didn't, wasn't repentant of what he did. And again, like a Ahithophel, he went out and hung himself. something about that sin of betrayal. That it so ruins a human life to it almost seems like there's no reason to live? Or is it that God's judgment falls immediately? It's something that I think we need to look at. If we compare Ahithophel and Judas, there's ten similarities. They're both friends of their masters. I read to you in Psalm 55 12, for it was not an enemy that reproached me, for then I could abort. If it had been someone I didn't like, someone that was already against me, but he was my best friend, turned his back on me. They were both betrayed and reproached by their former friends. Not only did they leave them, they said things about them they should have never said. Both of them were lovers of their master. At one time they both loved Ahithophel and Judas loved their masters. Both magnified themselves against their best friends. Both betrayed the trust placed in them. Both were equals in trust. Both were guides and counselors. Both were acquaintances known by their masters. Both had sweet fellowship with their masters. And both worshipped their masters. But yet, they betrayed him. That's a hard thing to do, people. But we have to understand, it happened. God did not predestine Judas to betray his master. Whenever we see prophecy. However, the Bible t- uh, speaks about, uh, about predestination. It's not God planning it that way. He's only foretelling the future what's going to happen. So we have to take heed about what God knows. Um, we read that, uh, that there's some things we have to learn. There was a story in the book of Judges about a certain Levite. He was just wandering around. When he should have been at the tent, the the tabernacle, ministering to God, and it was in such a time the Bible says when every man did what was right in his own sight, there was no king. And he ran across a certain man called Micah. Now Micah was quite an unscrupulous person. Remember, he took some money from his mother, and finally he confessed to his mama and said, "I took it." And said, "Well, after all, I was going to take that silver and make some tarifin, or some idols for you." So he went ahead and did, and they put it in their little room where they had all kind of idols. Remember again. It was in a time where every man just did what was right in his own sight. And we read about them is, is that when he ran across this Levite, he said, Who are you? well, I'm a Levite of the tribe of, uh, of Levite, and you know, I'm of the priesthood. And he said, well, I'll tell you what we will do. If you come and live with me, I'll give you ten shekels of silver and a garment or a shirt to wear. And because of that, it says, it says that so the Levite went in. And the Levite was content to dwell with the man, and the young man was at, uh, unto him as one of his sons. How do you like that? Sold his calling for ten shekels in a shirt. A while back, it's been a couple of years ago, I heard a sermon by that, by an old, it's an old, I mean, it's, it's a classic. You ought to read it. Because it's basically what we got Christianity down to today. Almost in what we call the popular church today, it's a business, it's a profession, it's a career for a lot of men. Give them ten shekels in a shirt. And they'll tell you whatever you want to hear. No longer does it seem like we have very many. They have some men of God who's going to tell you the truth. Ten shekels in the shirt, they'll sell anything. Because next time we read about the tribe of Dan, they were looking for new ground to grow. They came across this man, Micah's house, and they ran across this Levi. I said, What are you doing here? He said, Well, hey, I'm hard. I'm the man's priest. He treats me like a son. I get ten shekels in the shirt every year. He said, Well, that's so. He said, Listen, we're going to. Move on to a bigger grounds. So, why don't you come be with us? Why don't you come be our priest? It re- reads like this in Judges chapter 18 in verse, uh, in verse 19. It is better for you to be a priest into the house of one man or the sh- tribe and the family in Israel. The priest was glass. He took the ephod, teraphim, grave and image, and went in the midst of the people. He said, you're right. He sold out, betrayed Micah, and went on with this whole tribe. You see, there's just something about a man of a character like this. Is at, any, at anybody's expense, if he can better himself, he'll do it. No matter who he hurts. Amen? Yeah. Betrayals. Betrayals. Jesus tells us something, people. As being Christians, and this is why I'm getting to a point, I'm not going to keep you a whole lot longer. Do you know being a Christian, you're called to stand? For things that's not popular. I do know we have to bear goodwill. Teach the goodness and the mercies of God to a lost and dying world. But not all the world wants to hear God's truth. Hello? Especially if they're religious. I mean, in Jesus, when he walked the earth in his days, it wasn't the outright sinner that gave Jesus problem. When they heard Jesus preach, they flocked to him. Because religion gave them no hope. If they were sinners, if they were sick, or if they had a, de- a deformity, they couldn't even come to church. Yeah. Pharisees looked down on them and said, hey, you're not as good as us. There's well, something different about Jesus. It says he went in amongst them. In fact, he got criticized by the Pharisees. Doesn't, don't you know he told the disciples, your master, eat it, and drink it with the publicans and sinners. Well, Jesus said that's what he's called for. The Son of Man came to seek and to save them that were lost. Well, anyhow, Jesus telling us as his followers, as he did to the early church, as he talks to the church all the way down through the church age, that there are certain things you're going to have to watch as a Christian. Hello, Matthew twenty four ten. Jesus said this now, in the twenty four chapter, that's when Jesus was answering the question that when would be the you know what's going to be the signs of the end of the world and, and, and his coming back. And one of them, he says, and many are going to be offended and shall betray one another and hate one another. Now, that don't sound good. I was looking at in the end, Dave, you know, in, in Kingdom Now teaching, which, believe it or not, a lot of your secret sensitive churches are beginning to adhere to this teaching. They no longer believe in the sudden coming of, or the imminent coming of Christ, where Christ is coming back in the rapture of the church to catch away his church before the last days. Dave, have a new doctrine that they teach now that the church is going to rise up with such a revival and it's going to overtake the world. And almost all the world is going to be saved, and then they're going to present the world to Christ on his return. I mean, that would be an easier one to believe. That's what I would like to believe, but the problem is the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible states plainly, it's going to get worse. It'll be days of apostrophe, apostasy. And Jesus said this. Jesus said that there's coming such a time of tribulation such as was never before in the face of the earth, neither shall be afterwards. And his warnings went out ne- mainly to the nation of Israel, but also, you know, it's going to influence his body. The brother shall betray the brother to death, the father, the son, the children shall rise up against their parents. and shall cause them to be put to death in Luke 21:16, You shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinfolks and friends. And some of you, they shall cause to be put to death. Now, Please understand this, people, because, you see, if we don't teach you these things, you won't know how to handle it when the time comes. Jesus, you know that's, you know I learned it from? Jesus, 13th chapter, 16th chapter of John. Jesus said, I'm telling you these things beforehand, so when they come to pass, you may know that you don't be offended, that you don't backslide, you don't give up, and say, well, Lord, we didn't expect this. Jesus tells ahead of time. That's what we're trying to tell you. There could be a point of time. Now, we're okay. If the rapture happens today, don't worry about what I said. Just, you know, throw that in the trash bin, and what I said won't have nothing ever have to do with you again. Because once you get to be in heaven, you'll never have to worry about a person up there betraying you, okay? All right? You understand that? But in the meantime, we don't know how far we're going. Uh, I didn't say that. Uh, Please notice I've never told a one of you, your life will never be without trouble or tribulation or persecution. You've never heard me say that. You can, we can well go into great, great per- persecution. We can end up in prison. We could be put to death before the tribulation ever starts. Uh, yeah. I do know the rapture will happen before the tribulation starts, but we know the world that we live in is changing. We know the, atmos- the, the attitude of popular religion and of government, that it's against true Christianity. It'll accept anything but the truth, but we should expect it. That's the way Jesus said it would be. And we can expect that even within this body of Christ, you're going to have some people who are not committed to Christ. Or maybe they're going to go through some things that people we don't understand. So they're going to go through some things that we would have probably done the same thing and we're going to get betrayed if we come to that point. Mm-hmm. Don't hold it against them, people. You'd have probably done the same thing if you would probably get tortured or something. Boy, I'm really making a painting a bad picture for you, aren't I? I'm just trying to teach you a lesson. Attitude, again, and character, what is going to build you. You're going to have to learn in the life which you live in. People who do not love Jesus Christ are not trustworthy. They need to be converted. That's why they need Jesus. They need to learn what true love is. You see, in the world, love is as long as you do me good, I'll do you good. You treat me right, I'll do you right. But in the world, no matter what you do for them, if they find something better, a better opportunity, they'll betray you. Why do you think there's so many broken marriages in this country where we find almost 50% of the uh, of, you know, married folks ending in divorce? Some places, three-quarters of them. And now I know they said statistics are dropping. I know they're dropping because they just don't get married no more.
1: <laughs>
0: it's like they've been saying, the FBI is saying, man, murder rates are dropping. They are. we got 45 million unborn children murdered. Over 12 million a year. And you're going to say the murder rate is dropping? Yeah, come, come on, on now. Amen, brother. But please understand, in marriage, you know, they're sworn before God, you know, through, through better, for worse, and riches, and, and poverty, to help. Uh, no matter what, I swear I'm going to be faithful to this person. Yeah. <clears throat> Words are cheap. Please understand human nature. Don't get bent out of shape if it happens to you. It hurts like it did for David, like it did for Jesus. All right. You're still here? I want to read a note because I don't know how to frame it in my own speech, you know, but it talks about what Jesus talked about in all the Gospels that we were betrayed by parents, by brethren. It's almost inconceivable that it pictures the power of demon religions in the control of their victims. Religion caused the first betrayal and death. They were talking in Genesis 4 about Abel and Cain. But I'd go back further than that. Adam and Eve betrayed the one who loved them more than anything and it will cause the last ones, and it goes through many, many, many references in the book of Revelation, which I don't have time to get into, how many are going to be killed by popular religion, Babylon the Great, which is a religious system. False religion has caused men to commit every known crime and the lowest of deeds, while at the same time making them think they're doing God's service and their inhuman deeds were righteous. Remember, what they did to Jesus. They thought they were doing God a favor by killing. He was blaspheming, saying he was the son of God. And then when that didn't work, they threatened Paul and said, if you don't have him crucified, we're going we're to turn you into Caesar, saying you favor another king but him. What kind of heart does religion have? they have to betray their expense to get their way. All right. We have to learn in the last days, people, uh, some things. Uh, Paul knew that he was going on to Jerusalem. And there he'd never see a lot of the people that he, in his years of of missionary work and establishing churches. But one church in mind he had while he was going towards Jerusalem, he would be arrested, he would be brought to Rome, eventually be executed. He called together the elders or the pastors in the churches in the area of Ephesians. And his closing words were this in Acts 20, verse 28. He said, Take heed, therefore, to yourselves and to all the flock over which God, over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers, to feed the Church of God which He has purchased with His own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember. That by the space of three years, I cease not to warn every one of you day and night. And so it's been from the church age. God has always destined, and his will was for the church to have perfect unity. The day of Act, they were in one place and one accord. And look what they did. Look at the works they accomplished because the church constantly worked in one heart. The devil knew how to begin to undo it. The devil knew that beginning to make schisms and splits and, boy, let me tell you what we call Christianity today, look at the visions. The world says Christianity is Catholicism. I mean, you read any article, when they talk about, when they, whenever the news or somebody talks about Christianity, they're not talking about evangelical Christianity. They're not talking about Protestant Christianity. They're talking about Catholic Christianity, which most of us come out of. That is their goal. That's what they want. That's what they would say. That is the ideal religion. You live like you want. No real changes. You look like the world, act like the world, taste like the world. I mean, and, and yet they say, well, this is Christianity in that you have a priest that goes to God for you. And, you know, everything is done. As you born, baptize a baby, man, you can't miss it. All you have to do is do that step and you're going to heaven. Come on. Come on. And then it breaks off into this one, to Lutheranism, Calvinism. I mean, you name it. They got so many, so many so many denominations and, and subheadings of, of Christianity that where's where is what the devil wanted it? Who has the truth? Hey. <clears throat> and then you get amongst people. I was raised, like I said, when I got saved at 32 years ago. Since then, I ain't never seen such church splits. And I mean, here I was. I started going. Like I said, we had the little church here. But we, we've been through our share, believe me. And Brother Willis, that's where I first started going over there. All I know is he came in from overseas, and next thing you know is the, you know, another one of the pastors, assistant pastors, and took half the church to start another church. I mean, and that ain't just that church. Everywhere you look, there's always somebody rising up and making another split. To where the church now is almost laughed at. There's always people from within with ambition, wanting to say, I could do better, like Absalom, and to begin to woo people to themselves. And next thing you know, You're betrayed. But nevertheless, people, we understand that's what he's saying. Problem is, more than likely in your lifetime, you'll be betrayed by someone you love very much. Can you overcome it? The Bible says of David, he had one good thing. He encouraged himself in the Lord. Jesus went before the Lord he committed himself unto him, saying, Not my will, Father, but yours be done. And he was able to withstand. He did. He set his face like a flint, and he did what the Father told him to do. Next thing is, people, They said, you're going to have the opportunity to betray someone. Because every one of us has been given a holy trust. We look at Judas and the most infamous crime ever committed. Betrayed the one who loved him. Betrayed his best friend with a kiss. But in Acts 7.52, it speaks of a Stephen who was preached before the Sanhedrin. They had arrested Stephen. And they had a mock trial where they brought in false witnesses because they wanted him dead. Here was one of the first original deacons of the church. He was confounding their scholars. Miracles were being done. Souls were being won. So they brought him in as a criminal and they going to try him for blasphemy for saying that there's another king coming. And there was. But towards the end of his sermon he said in Acts 7:52, "And which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted, and they have slain them which showed before the coming of the just one of whom you have now become the betrayers and murderers?" Can you imagine? Not only was Judas guilty of betraying their master, but the whole nation of Israel, when Jesus presented himself before them, did such mighty signs and wonders and miracles, that they could not doubt that he was who he said he was. He was their Messiah, the Son of God. But they rejected him. And in rejecting him, he said, they have now become his betrayers. That's powerful. But you know, we live in a world very much the same. The gospel is being proclaimed to all men, everywhere. People are going to have an opportunity to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But needless to say, going, he's going to be rejected. And that's one thing. The last verse we're going to use in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three, 23. The apostle Paul saying how he received by revelation the what we call the ordinance of the Last Supper. And he explained it so accurately, but in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three, 23, he said, For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, how that the Lord, in the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. You understand the ramifications that Paul, now, his writings are going to be read in every Christian church and not the world until the time Christ comes back. Because we're commanded to observe the Lord's Supper as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of him, till he comes back. And once he comes back, it's not going to be held no more. But one major facet, the night that he was betrayed, the night that he was betrayed. Again, I told you in the beginning, the word betrayed comes from the word traitor. And over the years, all through the church age, we've had people who came to Christ and they backslid. And they went away. If I'm correcting what I read in the Bible, they're considered traitors. They betrayed the very one who loved them. People, something about the heart of man, I don't know what it is. But it's just that they, they... they, they A heart that's not anchored in Christ Jesus can be driven in a lot of ways. David, David, as I said, could have been very discouraged and could have took revenge himself. But he committed unto him who was going to judge faithfully unto God. And God brought him out of all his troubles. Though he was betrayed, he knew what was going to happen. Never seen a betrayer who didn't meet the judgment of God. But people at the same time, let's remember this that you're going to have the opportunity. <laughs> read the New Testament. I always thought when I first got saved, I would read the New Testament and it would read of people who had such unity, got along, loved each other, but constantly in the epistles, Paul had to admonish them, you know, forgiving one another. I Christ forgiving us. He said, why don't you rather take, take wrong? And, you know, he, and he constantly had to deal with Christians about how to, how to live like a Christian life. <laughs> Put that all together, we can understand. People can betray one another. I don't want to. I'm not going to. But people, just be careful that we understand this. Betrayal is never. It's one of the crimes God doesn't put up with. We're called to love people. When someone puts confidence in you, hey, it's worth dying for. Christ gave his all for you. Let me close right now. Every head bow, I need to ask a question. If there's somebody here is not born again. Maybe you're here and you've never heard the gospel. or Maybe you don't understand the gospel. We've tried to make it plain. How God sent his only son into the world to save sinners. Who is that sinner? Any and all qualify for that. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us if we die in this condition, we will perish in a place called hell. You may say, well, I don't believe in a hell. I don't believe in a life after death. Well, uh, I go all over across the south, and there's gambling casinos all over the place that people are willing to gamble everything they had against odds that they will not win, yet they still go. The Bible tells us life as it is. It just gives us the fact we choose to believe it or not, but the problem is that you know, once you die, there won't be a second chance. If you're wrong in the position you take it on life, man, you've got everything to lose. But if the Bible is right, and it is, there is a hell to escape and a heaven to gain. And there's only one way the Bible gives us. It's not through religion. It's not through good works. It's not through keeping of the law. strictly by the grace of God. And the only way that grace is given by you accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. For he is the only one that can save you. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. How does a man be born again? Jesus simplified in the book of Matthew and said, except you repent and be converted. Become as this little child, you shall in no wise enter the kingdom of God. You must humble yourself before a holy God. Turn away from your sins. Ask Jesus to save you. And the Bible says in Romans 10 14, Whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For the Bible says, If we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess it with our mouth, we shall be saved. It's not hard. You just you've got to realize what the option is. Option is you reject it and you think you never have to uh, face a uh, holy God. But you will. You may say, Well, uh, you know, I'll have another chance later on. You may not. Is anyone here not born again? But don't let me stop there. There's someone here that's not right with God. You've accepted Christ as your Savior. And yet in your heart, you're on the verge of traitor, being a traitor to the one who loves you. In your heart, you're getting ready to turn back to where you come from. Please, don't let the title that Judas
1: had be your title. I'm Pastor Laney Hayes from the Coda Homes Fellowship Church. I would like to lead you in a prayer of salvation. If you don't know Jesus, pray with me that your soul could be made right, that you can find Jesus in your life come and change you. Dear God in heaven, I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. To come into my life. To turn my heart toward you. I renounce this world and all its earthly earthly goods. I come to you believing that you died and rose again, Lord Jesus. And that you're coming back to get your church. I believe that you're the redeemer of all mankind. I ask you right now to forgive me for all of my sins. To come into my heart. And to save me. To change me. That I may be more like you. Take away every sin. Every reproach I ever made against you Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you have, you have said this prayer with me, give God the glory, for now you're saved and now you're redeemed. If you really met it in your heart, Christ has come into your life. God bless you.